Things you need to do to be ready for the trumpet. Part 4. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12 verse 40, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So there Jesus' emphasis is on being ready. So this series is about being ready. He says in Matthew 24, 13, He who endures to the end shall be saved. In Revelation 2, 11, He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 to 18, it says in verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and I don't know what that sounds like, and with the trumpet of God. I know what a trumpet sounds like. So we are saying that this series is about being ready for the trumpet, just to summarize that statement. And it says, And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We note that it doesn't say scare one another. And in the last couple of weeks, we've been focusing in on Hebrews, where chapter 10 in verses 37 to 39, we read this statement. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Let's pray. Father, as we look into us being ready for the trumpet, for the voice of the archangel and the shout, we pray and ask for your help, first of all, to see what you say in your word, and secondly, to be able to apply it to our lives. To this end, we're asking you to give us your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of our understanding might be enlightened in Jesus' mighty name. So from what we just read, what have we got to do to be ready for the trumpet? Be ready, endure, overcome, take heed, watch, pray, comfort one another. Part one was keep your eyes on Jesus so you don't sink. Part two, make the most of Sundays, where the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And because of all that Jesus has done and all that he achieved and is continuing to do, it says, let us draw near, which is to come to God for worship, to hear from him, to agree with him. And it also says to come together to encourage one another and to incite one another to love and good works. Last time we looked at celebrating correction as confirmation of sonship, because when we do draw near to him in worship and come close to him for fellowship, we will hear his voice. Often when we hear from God, what he says to us is full of encouragement, love, promises, visions of the future, but there can also be correction. And if God doesn't correct us, then we are not being treated as loved sons. So we need to celebrate that correction as a confirmation of sonship. And part four this week is hear his voice, but don't harden your heart. And this comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. And I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Make very sure that you never refuse to listen to God when he speaks. For the God who spoke on earth from Sinai is the same God who now speaks from heaven. Those who heard him speak his living word on earth found nowhere to hide. So what chance is there for us to escape if we turn our backs on God and refuse to hear his warnings as he speaks from heaven?
Amen. To get into this today, I want to run through some thoughts about the book of Hebrews that built up to this. I'm kind of adding to some of the synopsis and overview I've given in the last couple of weeks. So let's read now Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, because God is the author of the Bible. Therefore, it is written intelligently. And when God writes, he makes no mistakes in the writing, in the writing style and the layout. And so everything is there intentionally. So what he says in verse 1 and 2 is to set us up for what's coming in the rest of this letter. And then when you get into chapter 2, there's more than chapter 3 and chapter 4. We're going to have a quick look at some of these verses today as a build-up for what we're going to get into. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 2 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke, you could just shorten that to, God spoke, in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son. Condense it a bit more. God has spoken to us by his Son. This sets up this epistle so that we know what he's talking about. Then in chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, it says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Why? Because God is speaking to us by his Son. Hebrews proves that it's more significant than God speaking through angels, speaking through Moses. It's amazing we must give them more earnest heed to these things, lest we drift away or let them slip. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Right there we see the beginning of the parallel warnings in Hebrews, along with why we should expect to hear God's voice, what Jesus achieved, and for us to approach God and to draw near to him, it's all about hearing his voice, communing with Father. Faith comes when we hear from him. So faith is a major part of this epistle. But here he parallels with that a similar theme that runs through and talks about the dangers or the warnings to those who hear God but don't listen to him, don't soften their hearts, and don't take in what he says. For example, three times the book of Hebrews quotes from the Old Testament. And I'm going to read them here right now. This is Hebrews 3, 7, 15 and 4, 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, then in verse 15, today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And the illustration there is the children of Israel wouldn't go into the promised land. They ended up wandering for 40 years and dying in the wilderness until a new generation came up. We don't want to be like them. It's an example of unbelief. And so he's warning us quite clearly that the objective that God has done, that Jesus achieved and his ongoing ministries enables is for us to go in to the throne room, the secret place, 
to draw near to God. Remember, James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and sup with him. It's about heeding the voice, hearing the voice, eating the spiritual food of his voice. But he says, if you do this, do not harden your hearts. Then in Hebrew 4, 7, again, he designates a certain day saying in David, today, after such a long time, it has been said, today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Very, very important. Now, the whole New Testament has the phrase, the just shall live by faith, also quoted from the Old Testament, three times in the whole New Testament, but this one has today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart three times in this epistle. So the epistle starts with God is speaking to us by his son. Chapter two, we should give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard from him because it's far more significant than hearing from angels or Moses. And then he says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Then when we get to the towards the end of chapter 12, which is really the highest summary or conclusion to the whole epistle, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. So our theme today is things to bear in mind about hearing God's voice. Number one, God calls us to be holy. Two, so we can come boldly to Mount Zion. Three, to hear God's voice, but don't refuse him who speaks. Number five, soften your heart, don't harden it to God's voice. From his voice you receive faith, and it is of faith that it might be by grace. So number one today is God calls us to be holy. These are things to bear in mind when it comes to hearing God's voice. Crucially important, because we know that he says in Hebrews 5.9 that he's able to give eternal salvation to all who obey him that presumes that we'll hear what he's saying so we can obey him. We have the written word of God, and that's good. But by the Spirit of God and through the word of God coming alive in us, we also hear his voice specifically for us in every and any given situation. So let's remember God calls us to be holy. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We need holiness for this whole thing to work. 1 Peter 1.16, Be holy, for I am holy. Again, quoted from the Old Testament. So then he breaks this down into a few subpoints. He says, A, choose peace in every relationship. Hebrews 12.14 from the Passion Translation, In every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition. That is an amazing statement. It really leaps in my spirit because competition could lead to strife, arguments, literally competing, trying to get above other people. But in Christ, we're already the righteousness of God. We don't have to climb over anybody to be right with God. We don't have to surpass anybody to be the best you you can be. You've just got to be the best at being yourself. Amen? And this involves holiness. Choose peace in every relationship. And in this translation, he says, and run swiftly towards holiness. When it's put like that, it shows you that bad relationships, bad problems, relational breaks are not 
holiness. Now, of course, if somebody does something to you, you can take on the attitude of forgiveness, but you may not invest the same level of trust in them that you had when you got hurt by them. Unless they repent, then it's different. Amen. B, watch over each other to make sure. This is like we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about forsake not the assembling of yourselves together because we need to stir one another up. We need to exhort one another. We need to incite, if you like, provoke each other into love and good works. And then later on, a couple of chapters later, he says, watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace. I'll say it again. It is of faith that it might be by grace. Faith comes by hearing. We need to be hearing from God. And the wisdom around this is follow all of these instructions to be ready to hear the voice of God. But when he speaks, do not harden your heart. Amen. C. Nip bitterness in the bud. I know it's a little bit of a stretch on the illustration, but he does use a plant for talking about bitterness. And make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison the hearts of many. That's Hebrews 12, 15b in the TPT. Make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them. Get the bitterness out. Forgive. Overcome. Remember, it's him that overcomes will not have to go through to the second death. We've got to be overcomers. Amen. D, and we're talking about pursuing holiness. D, no immorality. Hebrews 12, 16 to 17 in the Passion Translation. Be careful that no one among you lives in immorality, becoming careless about God's blessing. Wow, this is, this is amazing. Because what he's saying is that by your lifestyle, you can show neglect for the blessing of God. We need to fear God and we need to live in such a way that we want that blessing above all else and won't compromise on morality or any other form of unholiness so that we can maintain right relationship with God, live under the anointing of God and walk in the blessing of God. Amen. Don't be like Esau who traded away his rights as the firstborn for a simple meal. And we know that later on when he wanted to inherit his father's blessing, he was turned away, even though he begged for it with tears. For it was too late then to repent. Now that's an illustration of life for us. We have this life on earth while we're alive. This is the time to repent, to get things sorted out. This is the time to get it all ready for the trumpet, for the shout, the voice of the archangel, the return of Jesus. Once we've either died or gone out in the rapture, it's too late to repent. Then the judgment is set on exactly how we lived on earth. And the Bible said the judgment will be according to our deeds whether good or bad, because it says we all have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ to answer for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Paul goes on to say, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. So I want to persuade everybody I know, 
get ready, live holy, no immorality. And I know that over the generations, I've been around the Bible for a long time, and I have noticed that there's always someone coming up with a doctrine where they can take scripture and with it, do a few gymnastics and end up proving that life can be a lot easier on their flesh. Whether it's what they eat, what they drink, what they say, what they do, and immorality. There's always someone that can use the scripture to prove it's okay to live an immoral life. And they'll say, well, the Bible only speaks against adultery, not against anything else. But that's just not true. We need to live a holy life because the Bible says, be holy for I am holy. It says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So E, no profanity in speech or actions, Hebrews 12, 16. And the Amplified says, and see to it that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. Other translations say that Esau was profane. He took the things of God lightly. He wasn't serious about living in the blessing and walking in right relationship with God. He let his flesh control his decision. And then later when he realized the mistake he had made, it was too late. Don't wait until it's too late for you. Amen. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Amen. Now there's another confirming scripture about all of this holiness stuff. And this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 7. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. That's a parallel to be holy, for I am holy. Amen. And walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Notice it says offering and sacrifice. This is part of walking in love. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints. When it first happened among my circles, God convicted me on this scripture. Let it not even be named among you. And I realized that part of the call of God for me was to put a stop to this. I didn't want to do that at the time, but I had to because it's my responsibility. I'd already let it go too far. I am responsible to see that it cannot be named among us. Amen. And we're all responsible for that because this is written to all Christians. Verse 4, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting. That's joking around the wrong sort of way. But rather, giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, those that aren't heeding God's voice, whether written or spoken. Amen. Therefore do not be partakers with them. But how clear could that be? Fornicators, 
unclean persons, covetous idolaters don't have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Then he doubly warns us and says, let no one deceive you. Over and over again, he says, be not deceived. The only way to be sure is to get into studying the word. Amen. Make sure you know what the word of God says and don't listen to people to say, oh, it says this. Make sure that what they're quoting to you is actually there. Because I've seen even students do that. One turns to the other one and says, it says this. And I'm thinking, well, I've been reading it for 30 years or something and I've never read anything about that. And everybody where they say that to you, you always have a right to say, show me that in the Bible. Show me where that's written. Amen. Number one was pursue holiness. Amen. Number two, so we can come boldly to Mount Zion. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. Going back to what we covered a couple of weeks ago. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God. Now, we're always in God's presence in one sense, but this is relationally going right into the throne room. Come with boldness to the throne of grace. He who dwells in the secret place, according to Psalm 91. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Amen. This is very exciting. We are to come boldly there. Then, when we get down to Hebrews 12, after he unpacks a few more things, talks about faith, he talks about keeping your eyes on Jesus, he talks about holy living, and then he gets down to the big high point. That other one was a very big high point, but this is the biggest. For we are not coming, as Moses did, to a physical mountain. He's talking about that holy place, amen, with its burning fire, thick clouds and darkness, amid gloom and with a raging whirlwind. We are not those who are being warned by the jarring blast of a trumpet and the thundering voice, the fearful voice that they begged to be silenced. They couldn't handle God's command that said, if so much as an animal approaches the mountain, it has to be stoned to death. The astounding phenomenon Moses witnessed caused him to shudder with fear and he could only say, I'm trembling in terror. This is important. By contrast, so we haven't come to the Old Testament experience of Mount Sinai. By contrast, we're coming to this throne room through the veil, drawing near to God for worship, for prayer, for praise, for confession, and to hear his voice. This is what it says. By contrast, we have already come near to God in a totally different realm. In the Zion realm, in the other translations, it's the Mount Zion. For we have entered the city of the living God, which is the new Jerusalem in heaven. We have joined the festal gathering of myriads of angels in their joyous celebration. And as members of the church of the firstborn, all our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven. I said it a couple of weeks ago, 
our name's on the door. Amen. You've got the invitation. You've got the backstage pass. Come right in. Amen. And we have come before God who judges all, who lives among the spirits of the righteous, who have been made perfect in his eyes. So live in holiness. You know, we talked about renewing your mind, being full of faith through the word of God, having the absolute assurance of Jesus, his achievements, his ongoing ministry. We come boldly to Mount Zion. We come right in and we find that Mount Zion's not a physical mountain. It's a huge gathering of angels, of people, of God, the Old Testament saints, the New Testament ones that have gone on before us. There's a myriad group of persons worshipping, praising God, and we're joining them. Amen. Verse 23, and as members of the church of the firstborn, all our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven and we've come before God. Why do we come before him? There he gets it very clear for us. Number three, to hear God's voice. Remember, Hebrews is about God has spoken to us by son, so we must take heed to what we hear. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Hebrews 12.24 says, And we have come to Jesus, who established a new covenant with his blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat, blood that continues to speak from heaven. Forgiveness, a better message than Abel's blood that cries out from earth, justice. Make very sure that you never refuse to listen to God when he speaks. In other words, make very sure you do listen to him when he speaks. Never refuse, double negative. Do listen. Make sure you listen to God. Don't harden your heart. That means keep a soft heart before God. And when he speaks, we assent, we yield, we surrender, we agree, we receive his correction, we receive his promise, we receive his encouragement, we receive his vision for the future, and we take it on board. And if we don't want to do it, we've got to do what Jesus did in Gethsemane. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Amen. Number four today. Refuse not him that speaks. Let's read it now from the New King James. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. I had to go through several years of renewing my mind to that. Some people say God spoke. It's all written down. He doesn't say anything else. But it says him who speaks. It's continuous, ongoing, present tense. God is speaking Today. That's why he says, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Amen. Now, when we look at this, we find out that Hebrews mentions again the children of Israel here as an example for us of what not to do. So Hebrews 12 19 in the Lamasa Bible says, the voice of the word, which voice they heard, but refused so that the word would not be spoken to them anymore. That, that's amazing. Let's read it now in the CPDV, or the sound of a trumpet, or the voice of words. Those who had experienced these things excused themselves 
lest the word be spoken to them. Again, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago where Jesus gave the parable of the man that threw a feast and invited many with invitations, but they made excuses because they didn't want the banquet of hearing from God. Amen. And you can see it in this translation here. The sound of a voice of words, those who experience these things excuse themselves lest the word be spoken to them. In other words, they made the excuse to stop coming to God's banquet, whether that be live church, online church, meeting with someone in a small group, studying the word of God in a quiet time. They made excuses so that they wouldn't be there because they didn't want to hear God speak. In other words, they harden their hearts. And the Bible warns us all the way through Hebrews that this leads to willful sin and it leads to a very severe judgment. So the goodness and the severity of God are extremely different. If you're right with God and you're experiencing his goodness, it is awesome, blessing, love, family, eternity. But if you harden your heart to God and refuse to listen to his voice, then there is judgment. And it says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let's read this now in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 29, then jumping to 31. Straight after he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You need to be exhorted. You need to be incited. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth. So in other words, the coming together hearing his voice in corporate worship, getting the preaching, getting the encouragement, the incitement of other people, someone in your face that corrects you, puts you on the path. If you turn away from that, that's the leading on to or one step away from willful sin. In fact, it is a decision to step into willful sin. For if we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose he'll be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? Verse 31 it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Amen. So we need to keep meeting. We need to receive correction. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and we need to soften our hearts and make sure we're in that place to hear his voice. Again, in the worship, in prayer, in the preaching, in the gifts of the Spirit, other people speaking in church or online, on the online service. If you harden your heart to it, it's going in the wrong direction. Why? You need the faith that comes through God's words so that you can live by grace. Amen. So stick with the unshakable kingdom. Hebrews 12, 26 to 28. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed 
so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshipping Him with holy fear and awe. Amen. This is important. The very same voice that we hear and that this is talking about is the voice that shakes everything. And if your life is built on that word, it can't shake itself. Amen. It can't shake itself loose. But if you step away from hearing the voice of God and or softening your heart to the voice of God, and then you take on that hardness of heart, and you go into willful sin, then your own decisions and the life you build on those decisions most certainly can and will shake. It will be dealt with through this. So let's stick with the unshakable kingdom. Jesus, of course, said this himself in Matthew 7.24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, that's a soft heart. Hear it, yield to it. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Number five, so soften your heart today to hear God's voice, receive faith and have grace. We're reading the last couple of verses now of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Why? Because it's God's kingdom built on his word. Amen. God is king wherever his will is done. God is king when we hear his word, listen to what he's saying, and put it into operation on earth. That's how the kingdom of God expands. So we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Can I just encourage you today? You need to hear from God. You need to be in that place of absolute honesty in your heart, brokenness before him. The spirit man lays down in worship, yielded to what God wants, not my will but yours be done, letting him guide us and speak into our lives. When we come into the church or watch the online service, it's not really to critique the preacher unless they're outside the Word of God, but it's to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit through the preacher and know what God is saying and then yield. It's coming to God with the intention to do it. Amen. This is what we need. And I want to encourage you today, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, now 